When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We are just past the 4 p.m. Eastern deadline for teams to agree to extensions with the players that they use the franchise tag on this offseason. Going into today, four players still seeking set extensions, and it includes a pair of tight ends, Dalton Schultz from the Cowboys and Miami's Mike Gesicki. Schultz coming off career highs in receptions, yards, and touchdowns. There's Chiefs three-time Pro Bowl offensive tackle Orlando Brown Jr. And the only defensive player, Bengals safety Jesse Bates. To break down tag talk, and all things league-related, we've got Shefty, Adam Schefter in place, Mike Tannenbaum riding shotgun in studio, and I'm your host, Jordan Cornett, filling in for Laura Rutledge. Let's get right to it, fellas. Everybody knows the rules. I read, and you react. And we start with <laughs> Dalton Schultz, coming off career highs in every category last season and tied with a team leading eight touchdown receptions. Shefty, what's the latest on Schultz? Well, Jordan, no deal got done between the Dallas Cowboys and the tight end Dalton Schultz, who now is set to play this year on the one-year $12.9 million tight end tag, or $10.9 million tight end tag. Schultz will be up after the season, contractually speaking. And that's really appropriate to have Dalton Schultz play on a one-year deal. He's a good player. He was productive last season, but he is not a dynamic, game-changing athlete. I wouldn't be surprised to see him play out the tag this year and move on while Dallas allocates precious resources to other positions. He's a good player, but certainly not a great player. From one tight end to another, Dolphins tight end Mike Gesicki also posting career highs, 73 receptions, 780 yards last season. Shefty, give it to me. What's the latest? No deal here. No deal close to being done. No deal ever got close to being done here. And so Mike Gesicki right now is scheduled to play this year on the one-year tag. And also, like Dalton Schultz, Set to become a free agent after the season, but he signed his franchise tender, so he'll have to be there for the start of camp. Guys, I was in Miami when we drafted Mike Gusecki. He is a great athlete, but about 85% of the snaps last year, he was detached from the core. He's really a wide receiver, not a great blocker, but he's a great mismatch. He's somebody that would garner a lot of interest in the market next year if Miami doesn't re-sign him after the season. He can be a difference maker, especially on third down and in the red zone. How about those boys from the jungle? Bengals safety Jesse Bates also tagged. A Bengals mainstay on defense, making 67 of a possible 69 starts in the regular season, including playoffs. Shefty, Bates. Hey, Jordan, another situation in which a deal did not get done and did not really come close to getting done. And unlike the other two players, Jesse Bates has not signed his franchise tender, so he is not obligated to be at training camp. When it begins, he can show up whenever he wants. To sign that tender, there's no pressure there, but no deal between Jesse Bates and the Cincinnati Bengals, and he's a defensive leader there. Adam, he's a leader off the field, but on the field, he's extremely versatile. We saw him play close to the line of scrimmage at linebacker. We've seen him play slot corner, and we've seen him play traditional free safety. He is extremely versatile and very valuable to this Bengal defense. Jordan, for your Bengals to get to where they want to go, they need to keep him long-term somehow, some way. Hey, Mike T., you get my co-signature for what it's worth. Finally, Chiefs versatile tackle Orlando Brown Jr. made the Pro Bowl each of the last three seasons. 
He's moved to that left tackle position probably because he wants that money that comes with it. Sheffy, what's the latest on Brown? Well, Jordan, the Chiefs offered him a six-year, $139 million extension that included over $30 million in guaranteed money. He did not take the deal. He did not get an extension done. And so today's deadline for franchise players was about as eventful as the supplemental draft this year. And there is no supplemental draft this year. Four players (laughs) eligible for deals. None got done. Again, sort of like watching the supplemental draft. Yeah. (laughs) Look, I'm a little surprised to have this thing get done. Orlando Brown is a good tackle. He's not a great tackle. If there was meaningful guaranteed money in this offer, which I'm sure there was, I would have taken it if I was him because I can't imagine someone's going to give him that much of a bigger deal in the market next year. If I'm Kansas City, I am planning for his replacement, and I'm drafting a tackle early next year in the draft and letting him move on. Nothing personal, just business. Speaking of elite guys up front offensively, over the last two weeks, Jeremy Fowler's been releasing the top 10 by position, according to a survey of league execs, coaches, scouts, and players. Today was the final position, offensive tackle. San Fran's Trent Williams tops the list, getting nearly 80% of the first place votes. Right behind him, Tom Brady's shield, 23-year-old Tristan Wirfs from the Bucks. Mike, taking a look at that list, what draws your intrigue? Uh, to me, what's really interesting, guys, is the age of these players. Over half of them are 30 years old or older. So it just shows you that if you have the ability and understand the nuance of playing tackle, you can play at a high level for a long time. One name that, to me, I was surprised they make the list, guys, Jordan Malata, who really yeah. has a very atypical background, didn't play college football. It was somebody that the Eagles drafted late in the seventh round. To me, he is a guy that has all the physical ability in the world, and he's just going to get better and better. We're seeing him here. He plays with nasty demeanor. He's tough. He's smart, and he's only going to get better. I know how much they like him, and I think he will be somebody, when we're talking about this list in years to come, he could actually work his way, Jordan, into the top five. Well, let's stay with those Eagles, and they placed three players in the positional top ten, all coming on the offensive side of the ball, two offensive linemen, Lane Johnson and Jason Kelsey, along with tight end Dallas Godert. Two more offensive players, honorable mention, new receiver A.J. Brown and the aforementioned tackle, Mylotta. So as you look at this, so much around Jalen Hurts, how much of the pressure inevitably falls on the off-talked-about signal caller? There's a lot of pressure on Jalen Hurts because they've done such a good job of surrounding him with so many productive weapons. But at the end of the day, Jordan, he's not good enough. And here's why. When the ball travels 20 yards or more down the field, he's only completing about 37.9% of those passes. And that's 20th in the NFL. And I promise you guys, if I know that, opposing defensive coordinators know that. And what that does is it shrinks the field and you can impact your spacing from a defensive standpoint. It's just hard to complete the ball. So we need to see Jalen Hurts get the ball down the field more accurately, consistently. If he can do that, this offense can take the next step. Well, Philadelphia, Mike, needs to see him get the ball downfield more accurately. And I think that they believe that either he can do that this year and they're going to ride with him. And if he shows he can't, then they're set up next year to potentially go find his successor. Because even though this team moved up the board on draft night, and even though it traded for A.J. Brown, it still left itself with enough picks and enough ammunition to go out and maneuver around the draft next year if that's what the Eagles need to do for a quarterback. But that's for a future date. What their hope is, is that right now, that Jalen Hurts surrounded by all this offensive firepower, and there's as much offensive firepower here as there is on just about any team in the NFC, 
that he will take the next step like the rest of this team, prove he's worthy of being the face of the franchise, the quarterback of the future, and Philadelphia can continue to ride with Jalen Hurts. There's a great scouting axiom that applies here, which is the tape sets the floor and character sets the ceiling, meaning will a player maximize his ability? Jalen Hurts' his character is off the charts. So whatever yep. he has, they're going to get this year. As a really good offensive coach and Nick Sirianni, it's going to be great to watch this year. Like, can he actually develop and take the next step? I agree with what Adam said, which is multiple first-round picks. Now, if you're Philadelphia, you're dealing from a position of strength. You're not locked into Jalen Hurts long-term. Next year's draft looks like it's going to have a lot of good quarterbacks. So you have a lot of optionality as the season goes on. Well, piggybacking mm-hmm. off that, Mike Tease, you talk about character. I mean, the captain, Lane Johnson, and speaking about Hurts, pontificated on his poise, his leadership, his professionalism, and says he demands respect. So I, I heard you earlier today talking about Dak Prescott and the character there and how those intangibles matter. It seems like they've got that all the way in spades when you talk about their quarterback and Jalen Hurts. So reason to be optimistic there. All right, we've got a developing story here on NFL Live regarding the Houston Texans and Deshaun Watson. For more, we bring in Shefty once more. What is the latest here? Will there be any discipline from the Texans? Well, Drew, what happened today was the Texans settled with the 30 woman who alleged essentially that Deshaun Watson acted inappropriately, and they settled with Tony Busby, the attorney who issued a statement. And here's the bottom line. The Texans did not want this to be a prolonged situation. You see what they had to say. This is not an admission of any wrongdoing, but instead a clear stand against any form of sexual assault and misconduct. We hope that today's resolution will provide some form of closure to the parties involved, our fans, and the Houston community at large. As an organization, we'll now turn our focus to the future and doing what we can do to ensure respect for all. And I think, really, that was the idea of this all along from the Texans' standpoint. The Texans feel like the league has looked into their behavior and their activity over the last 16 months, and they don't believe that the league has found anything. The Texans have been in contact with the league, and I think the Texans felt comfortable that if they move forward here, that they would essentially be turning the page and not having this hang over the organization this season. They watched what unfolded between Tony Busby and Deshaun Watson last season, and the Texans wanted no part of that this season. And so t- today they reached a settlement with 30 of the victims who alleged that uh, those incidents from Deshaun Watson. So, Adam, then where do we stand on the Watson ruling currently? Look, everybody right now is waiting for the judge, Sue L. Robinson, to make her decision. She received the post-hearing briefs this week. She's got other cases. She's busy. While everybody around the NFL waits for a decision on Deshaun Watson and how much discipline there will be, that's not how the judge is operating. She's going to move at her own pace according to her own schedule. I don't think she really cares that training camp opens in a couple of weeks, that the football season's getting underway, that the preseason's getting ready to get started. She wants to make sure that she comes to a fair, thorough, complete decision in this particular case, though I do think that there's a sense we could potentially get something the end of next week, maybe the week after. But again, there's no track record with this judge, so nobody knows exactly how she's going to rule. Well, Chef, do those buzzwords of fair and thorough come to the forefront and are most paramount in a circumstance as important as this one? Coming up next on NFL Live, here with Chiefs opponent Daryl Waller had to say about the departure of Tyron Matthew. With the key leader gone, does our resident GM think he is replaceable? That's on the other side. And later, with all the blockbuster additions to the AFC West teams, 
That has us thinking about superlatives. Who's got the best quarterback? Mike T's answers, I promise you, they will surprise you. Stick with us to find out. What if in 2024 you got a little bit better every day? When you're learning a new language with Babbel, that's exactly what you're doing. And if Babbel can help you start speaking a new language in just three weeks, imagine what you could do in a full year. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Try Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are designed by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. It's designed by real people for real conversations. Babbel's tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. They have over 16 million subscriptions sold. Plus, all of Babbel's 14 award-winning language courses are backed by their 20-day money-back guarantee. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com tackle. Get 60% off at babbel.com tackle. Spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash tackle. Rules and restrictions may apply. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Here's a look at our featured event lineup this weekend and next week. Tomorrow afternoon, our next UFC fight night main card on ABC, ESPN Deportes, and ESPN+. Plus. Home Run Derby, Monday from Dodger Stadium on ESPN and ESPN2, with the first episode of The Captain premiering right after the Derby on ESPN and Plus. And the 30th annual ESPYs next Wednesday on ABC. The Chef, Steph Curry hosting. We know he's got range, just further proof taking on this latest role of award show host. And speaking of playmakers, Tyron Matthews signed a three-year, $28 million contract with the Saints this offseason. The Chiefs now have to replace a defender who made an impact all over the field. Just more than half of his snaps last season came at safety. Saw significant time as a slot corner and linebacker. Raiders tight end Darren Waller had this to say about not having to face Matthew twice a year. That dude's like a lion out there, you know? There's not many people who can replicate that level of raising everybody's intensity level and energy level and just a collective confidence. So I wonder who's going to be that for them now? Because there's few people, if any, who can do it the way that he does. And I feel like he just gave them an identity. I mean, high praise coming from a superstar. So, Mike, how big of an impact is it for the Chiefs not having Matthew any longer? Not much at all. One of the big challenges when you're in a front office is you have to assess when a good player is declining and a young player is ascending. They signed Justin Reed, who's 25 years old from the Houston Texans, who played a little bit more traditional free safety. And I think a younger ascending Justin Reed is not really far behind, if at all, from a 30-year-old sort of declining Honey Badger. Now, Honey Badger does bring a lot of that intensity and intangibles, but I think they did a really good job of replacing Tyrone Matthew with Justin Reed. And then you factor in they had two first-round pick guys that they used defensively. Trent McDuffie, who plays a very competitive man-to-man at corner, one of my favorite players in the draft, Jordan. 
and then George Karloftis. And what Karloftis, what's interesting to me, is because of Frank Clark and because of Chris Jones, he's going to get a lot of one-on-one matchups. So he'll have plenty of opportunities as well. So this chief defense is going to look different. I don't think it's going to be worse. And no doubt, Mike, Justin Reed is a player that the Chiefs targeted from the outset of free agency. And there was a time that they once went out and signed Tyron Matthew away from the Houston Texans in an effort to upgrade their defense, and it helped result in a Super Bowl title. And now, once again, when they felt that they saw a little bit of a decline in the way that Matthew tackled, but not the intangibles that he brought, once again, they dipped back into the Houston Texans organization and signed a standout young safety in Justin Reed, who brings some of those same intangibles, and they believe he's going to fit in great on that defense. You mentioned the other moves. So this team made a conscientious effort in a division where the offensive talent was upgraded across the board in Los Angeles, Denver, Las Vegas, to improve its defense, and the Chiefs believe that they've done that this offseason. I mean, let's pick up right there, Mike. I mean, it's a ridiculously loaded offensive side of the ball in the AFC West, and the Chiefs' defense are facing tough quarterback after tough quarterback, even outside of the division. So how does this defense contend? Yeah, and that's really, uh, you see on this graphic here, that is a big concern. You know, I had the privilege of working for Coach Parcells for four years, guys. He always talked about hitting yardage, and I think where the Chiefs actually are going to be hurt defensively is the loss of Tyreek Hill. And what I mean by that is, the field position flipped a lot easier when you were so explosive on offense. Now they still have Valdez Scantley and Sky Moore. But because this offense won't be as prolific, the Chiefs defense is going to be more of a full field defense. And that will wear down. And, Jory, you make a great point when you're talking about Justin Herbert and Derek Carr, quarterbacks you're going to be facing throughout the season. That's really going to be a tall order. So I think this defense will be good, but it is going to be a formidable challenge. And for Chargers fans out there, stay tuned for the Herbert and Chargers love coming a little bit <laughs> later on in the show. So you part with a pair of seasoned leaders in that locker room in Hitchens and Matthew. Then you bring in some youngsters, some youth in Karloftis and McDuffie. It'll be interesting to see how that translates because those voices in that locker room go a long way. Time now for some quick reads. And Mike T, you've got some AFC West superlatives to give out. And here's that <laughs> portion of the show where the love comes. Best quarterback in the AFC West. Here we go. Justin Herbert, I loved him two years ago. He was my number one quarterback, and he's done nothing to dissuade me of that. And when you have Mike Williams and Keenan Allen amongst many other weapons, I love Patrick Mahomes, but right now I'll take the bigger guy, the more physical, gifted guy, and I think the Chargers are absolutely low this year, led by Justin Herbert, the best quarterback in the AFC. Mike T, keep that love coming. Best offense. Your L.A. Chargers, why not? And they did a great job. They drafted Zion Johnson to fortify that line with Rashawn Slater. They got a couple young building blocks up front. And if Justin Herbert has a time, I think he's going to be meaningfully in the MVP race all season long. Well, we know defense wins championships, right? Who is it in the AFC West? Well, it's interesting. I got to go with the Raiders. And I think they've really improved themselves. I I think they're going to be able to get to the quarterback and bringing Chandler Jones over. To me, he should be a real difference maker. I think this is a unit that's underachieved in the past, and I think Josh McDaniels is going to do a great job. Daniel Jones was a meaningful acquisition for this defense. Finish it off. You've led us up to this moment. Who's winning the division? We bury the lead. The LA Chargers. <laughs> Why not? They're the most complete team. Well, let's talk about the defense. Derwin James, hopefully he can play 17 games. Khalil Mack, J.C. Jackson, they did a great job of addressing issues on their team on both sides of the ball. That's how you build a team is you attack your weaknesses. 
and I think they're the most complete team despite Russell Wilson and all these other superstars coming to the division in the offseason. I mean, you're a regular Randy Newman over here, man. You absolutely love L.A., giving them all the props. I mean, really high on this group, and I know how you felt about Justin Herbert for a long time. Talent and character. He has a high ceiling and a high floor, and I think he's a prototypical quarterback because of his size and athleticism, much in the mold of Josh Allen. Maybe one person that didn't get a lot of that love, Austin Eckler and those position rankings given out by uh, a survey done by Jeremy Fowler. Austin Eckler didn't crack the top ten in running backs. You think maybe he has a breakout season? He kind of showed it last year. Yeah, absolutely, and he's a three-down back because he could catch. He's also a really good pass blocker. He has earned his way into that discussion. I don't know why I asked you. Of course, you're going to give L.A. some more love here. Are you kidding me? (laughs) Uh, Coming up next on NFL Live, who's going to be the go-to guy for Mac Jones this season? But how about this tweet from Mike Reese? Uh, Handing out ice cream, we've got Mac Jones there. What's your go-to ice cream choice, Mike T? What do you got? I got to go with chocolate chip cookie dough. Chocolate chip cookie dough? I'm really easy. I'm just chocolate. Mac Jones making too much money. Shefty, how about you? Where are you going? Uh, Never go wrong with mint chocolate chip. Mint chocolate chip. Shout out to Grater's Raspberry Mint Chocolate Chip. Incredible. That's breaking news right there. <laughs> Welcome back to NFL Live. Top stories to get you up to speed on for that. Our top man on the NFL news front, Shefty. Tell us what we need to know, starting with the Panthers, that QB situation. Listen, it's going to be an open quarterback competition there in Carolina this summer between Sam Darnold and Baker Mayfield, they are not ready to give the job to anybody just yet, Jordan. And so those two quarterbacks from the same 2018 draft class will have a competition this summer. I think Baker Mayfield does go in as the favorite, but each quarterback certainly will have the chance to win that starting quarterback job. And earlier this week, Tom Brady updated his retirement plans in Variety Magazine, said he's operating on a year-to-year basis right now, doesn't know whether this will or won't be his last season, his 23rd season in the NFL. But I think with the contract hunted Fox with a huge payday awaiting him in TV, wouldn't surprise anybody if this was his last year, but he's taking it on a year-to-year situation. And of course, we had the franchise deadline day today where there were four players eligible for new deals and four players did not get deals done. So Mike Gusecki and Dalton Schultz and Orlando Brown Jr. and Jesse Bates III all now are poised to play this season on their franchise tenders. And one other note from today, the standout defensive back Jason McCourty announced his retirement after 13 NFL seasons, former sixth-round draft pick Adam Rutgers, made an impact everywhere he's been, had a moving post on Instagram earlier today, and obviously he'll be a success with whatever he does next in his career. No question, a class act, a heck of a talent. We wish him the best in what lies ahead. No doubt it'll be bright. Earlier in the show, we showed you the top 10 offensive tackles in the league according to a poll conducted by our own Jeremy Fowler. For those who missed the other position rankings, about a little bit of a refresher. Two teams didn't put a single player in the top 10 at any position, the Giants and the Jets. Another six teams had just a single player in the top 10. Most shockingly, the Patriots, their top 10 players, snuck in just barely ranking 10th at the tight end slot, that being Hunter Henry. Former Patriots exec Scott Pioli spoke on how Mac Jones could develop with the team around him. He had a very, very strong rookie year, but that doesn't mean anything in New England when you're a quarterback. But to me, I think one of the next steps that he needs to take is who is his go-to guy going to be? 
He went out and saw players. He spent time with them. What he needs to do is cultivate those relationships. Mac needs to find out who those guys are or who that singular guy is in order to make things go to a next level for him at the quarterback position. So we heard there from Scott. Now, how about ESPN Patriots reporter who I hear Mike Reese now goes by Mr. Ice Cream Man. You got something for us here, Mike? <laughs> well, Jordan, let's start with this. You showed the picture of Mac Jones scooping out the ice cream. I went to go visit him today because that's what we do in New England on hot summer days. We go get ice cream. I really wanted to look at him so I could come on the show today and tell you decisively, like, he looks different. Jordan, he's put a lot of time in his physical condition this offseason to weather, you know, a full NFL season. And to Scott Pioli's point, I want to tell you something else that Mac Jones has done. He's traveled around the country, Florida, California, other places, to throw with a variety of Patriots pass catchers from players really deep down the depth chart on the practice squad to established starters like uh, newcomer Devontae Parker, Nelson Aguilar, Jacoby Myers, Kendrick Bourne. One of Mac's goals, I'm told, this offseason has been to develop an enhanced connection with everyone on offense, especially his wide receivers. And Jordan, I just want to turn to the fun now and the ice cream. When I was watching Mac scoop out all the ice cream, they came up to me and said, would you like to try this flavor, Mac Attack? And I said, look, I covered the Patriots. What's their theme? It's team over individual. I, I can't try it unless I can offer it up to everyone else on NFL Live. So what did they do? They sent me out with a cooler and I've got the Mac Attack Hood limited flavor. One day only. I'm coming out to Bristol and I'm delivering this to everyone on NFL Live. We can talk about Mac Attack and if it will be a Mac Attack on the field in 2022. I mean, how about the presentation too? I mean, I give it a full on 10 if we're if we're rating it. Delivery, presentation, execution, all of it perfection, Mike Reese. Only a nine. If he delivered it to Bristol, then we to ten. I mean, <laughs> he's in Metro West. It's only a little, you know, over an hour down Route 90. You're right. He can make that happen. All right, Mike T, let's get back down to football business here. Is this enough for Mac? Can he do more of the same uh, as he did last year without the supporting cast? Absolutely. I like the supporting cast. I actually think they got better. I was in Miami when we drafted Devontae Parker, who has all the ability in the world, especially in the red zone and in third down. You factor in Jacoby Myers, Nelson Aguilar. They have two really good tight ends in Hunter Henry and John U. Smith, and two backs in Damian Harris and Ramondre Stevenson who can run the ball. So I think they're going to be fine there, guys. And I know a lot has been made about, well, who's the play caller? Well, let me tell you a story. Yeah. I worked for the New York Jets in the late 90s, and Bill Parcells was our head coach. But you know what? He was also our play caller, and we went to the championship game with that structure. And if there's anybody else on the planet that could pull that off, it's none other than Bill Belichick. So I wouldn't be surprised if he yep. wound up being the play caller, and I wouldn't be surprised if he was really effective, and this Patriot offense surprises a lot of people. Well, Jordan, let's go right there. Let's go back to what Mike Tannenbaum just said. Headline, he wouldn't be surprised if Bill Belichick is the play caller in Foxborough. We've heard a lot of conversation about Matt Patricia, Joe Judge calling plays, but the other option here would be having Bill Belichick involved in the offensive play calling, as Mike is pointing out, certainly is capable of doing it, but they've got a lot of different variety and options to try to replace Josh McDaniels. But that's not going to be easy. They certainly lose something by losing Josh McDaniels to the Las Vegas Raiders. Mac Jones will have to make up for that. But maybe to your point, Mike, Bill Belichick will have something to do with the play selection on the offensive side of the football. 
And to take you guys right onto the field, I watched four practices in the spring, and what was commonplace to watch when we zeroed in on the offense, it was Matt Patricia looking down at a card, sometimes relaying a play to Mac Jones. It was Joe Judge, the quarterback's coach, sometimes looking down on a card, relaying a play to Mac Jones, and not far behind, both of those coaches was Bill Belichick, also with a card in his hand, looking down, sometimes relaying a play into Mac Jones. Well, really interesting to me, Mike T, is we, we've heard Mac Jones talk about how with this install of the Patriots offense, with no longer Josh McDaniel being there, that it was going to be a collaborative effort. Uh, do you believe that this is maybe good for the leadership qualities of Mac Jones to have a voice in that locker room, or do you think most likely this does end up being Belichick calling it and this is what they're running with? Well, you know, during the NFL, you have to earn the right to be a leader. And as Mike Reese was alluding to, he flew around the country. That's how you start earning the respect of your teammates. And if he plays well and those players believe that he could take them to where they want to go, that's how you become a leader. You go back to that playoff, playoff loss against Buffalo. Mac Jones played good football. The Patriot defense never forced Buffalo to punt once. That's why they lost that game. We heard Julian Edelman say it, the, the Patriots legend on Twitter the other day. This is when we find out what kind of guy Mac Jones is. You've got that first offseason going into year two as a pro. Let's see the strides that he makes. Let's also see now uh, a little bit more quick reads with Mike T. And, Mike, we talked about go-to guys for Mac. So who's going to be that for Patrick Mahomes? Who's his go-to guy? Marquez Valdez-Scantley. And he is not Tyreek Hill, but, boy, he can run. He could take the top off of coverage. So, you don't replace Tyreek Hill with one player, but I do think early in the season when they need a critical play, I think it's going to be Valdez Scanley for Patrick Mahomes and that chief offense. If things go well, Sky Moore, second round pick, will enter that uh, picture, but we're going to start the season with MVS being key for the Chiefs. This wouldn't be a question if it was a season ago, but Devontae Adams heads west. So now, who's Aaron Rodgers' go-to guy? Yeah, bad news here. It's Randall Cobb, a tough, smart, dependable receiver who's a great guy, great hands, but he can't run anymore. And the most catches any rookie receiver has ever had with Aaron Rodgers is 38. So while we love Christian Watson, their second-round pick, he's going to be a work in progress. Randall Cobb is the guy. Rodgers wanted Randall Cobb there. He returned a year ago, and now all of a sudden he's his go-to guy. How about Jameis Winston down there in Nolens? Michael Thomas. Let's not complicate this, Jordan. When healthy, no one's as productive as Michael Thomas is, and he will give them a big shot in the arm, assuming he could play in 17 games. And I think he'll be Jameis Winston's security blanket. Look for a big year for Michael Thomas. Again, big question there is health and durability. When you think about those core of receivers in New Orleans all of a sudden around Jameis Winston, they've got a real chance to elevate themselves as one of those top units. I mean, Michael Thomas, offensive MVP two seasons ago, Jarvis Landry going home, Chris Olave as well. And let's not forget Marquez Callaway, the year he had a season ago, there's an embarrassment of riches down there in New Orleans. So we're going to take a quick break here on NFL Live. And after the break, Cam Hayward recently gave his take on Kenny Pickett's controversial hand size. Will that be an issue in Pittsburgh? Mike gives us his thoughts on the age-old debate, the size matter. But for now, about that ice cream, Mike Reese. Let's go. Get it to Bristol. Get <laughs> it to Bristol. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. 
Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Kenny Pickett's hand size is... Pickett throws back across the middle, and it's a touchdown! Unprecedented. Overblown. 22 yards on the pass from Kenny Pickett. It's historically small. Small, but I don't give a damn if he don't fumble the football. Thought about a slot at the 40, stays on his feet at the 30, touchdown, Kenny Pickett! There'll be concerns, but they'll look at that film from his last year at Pitt and realize that the dude can flat out sling it. Look, an ACC champion, a Heisman finalist, he shattered all Dan Marino's records set at Pitt. And yet here we are, stuck on the size of first-rounder Kenny Pickett's hands. Trivial? Maybe. Critical? Heck, maybe two. Steeler teammate Cam Hayward weighed in. I talk a good game, and I like to give people a hard time. But, you know, I won't say, like, his hands were, like, you know, really small or anything. Like, he's got average-sized hands. Um... And I didn't think anything of it. Uh, he was able to throw the ball, still able to whip it around. Um, and, you know, he's got the ball in his hands for a reason. He was able to do it in college. Um, I think it got blown out of proportion, and then I just kind of ran with it. You know, why can't I call my rookie quarterback Burger King hands? Um, he will yeah. be on the show later on, and I will be giving him a hard time then. But, man, the dude can still play. Burger King hands, how about it? I mean, that's what players do, especially in a locker room. You're going to get ribbed. But, Mike T., is this something to really pay attention to, or is it trivial? You have to pay attention to it. And Swagoo nailed it, which was, if he doesn't fumble, no one cares. And let me take you guys into the draft room. When you're go- describing a player, you're looking at height, weight, speed, and all the other measurables, he has very small hands by any standard in the NFL, and he fumbles. And when you drill down, he had 27 fumbles. They lost 11 of them. That was the concern coming out, and it's very justified. With that said, I actually liked him a lot. He was my first quarterback. He reminds me a lot of Matt Schaub. I think he'll be a good player. You can drill ball security, but make no mistake about it, it's not the small hands that's the concern. It's the number of fumbles he had in college. And look, they don't have to turn to him right away, Mike. They want to be able to shape him, mold him, teach him some of those things, work with him in those particular areas. And obviously, they have Mitchell Trubisky on the roster. And I think if you watch the team or talk to the people who are around the team during OTAs, they felt like Mitchell Trubisky really made his mark and stood out there. And I think right now, going into camp, he is the favorite to become the starting quarterback. He is in position right now to start on opening day and be the starting quarterback this season. And they could take their time with Kenny Pickett and work with ball security and work with some of the things that come along with being acclimated during a quarterback's rookie year. But Mitchell Trubisky, I think, really shined during the OTAs, according to the people around the team. And I think that they're looking for some pretty big things from him this upcoming season.
You just heard it from Shefty, Mike T. He says that Kenny Pickett is in the front of the line there to be the starting quarterback for Pittsburgh. No, you look at Trubisky. No. Trubisky's in, in line. Trubisky, excuse me, misspoke. So you, you see that Trubisky's in the front line there, but Kenny Pickett, we saw what he was able to do in college. Uh, where do you anticipate this thing playing out? Yeah, I think they're in an ideal situation, which is you want to win for today if it's Mitch Trubisky, as Adam alluded to, and you want it to develop for tomorrow with Kenny Pickett. And re- remember, Mike Tomlin got to see Kenny Pickett literally every day because they share a facility. So I really like their situation, Jordan, from a, situ- from a standpoint of – Short-term, you have a guy in Trubisky who's improved from his bare days, spent a year in Buffalo, and you have somebody long-term that you like in Pickett. Again, my comparison for him was Matt Schaub, a really solid player, a full-field quarterback, can get the ball down the field, but not a great athlete. You know, we're looking at Trubisky here. He is a great athlete, and he's someone that I think will have benefited from his time in Buffalo. And I'm very intrigued by this situation because Mike Tomlin – is a guy that's never had a losing season, and he will maximize whatever ability those two quarterbacks have. Yeah, I mean, look, I covered Mitch Trubisky there in Chicago. It was tumultuous times around him. Never really got a fair shake. Excited to see what he was able to take from Buffalo and apply it. And it sounds like, according to Shefty here, he is well on his way. I'm rooting for the guy. Uh, as for the hand size debate, really interesting. Michael Vick was the only guy of note in the NFL to measure 8.65 or smaller per combine result. So, the bar is there. There's a precedent set. We'll see what happens. Up next on NFL Live, hear what 49ers Hall of Fame quarterback Steve Young has to say about the current Niners quarterback situation. Are they better with Trey Lance or with Jimmy G starting? That's next on NFL Live. Money to count on, I know it won't leave me alone. Yeah, talk to me nice, so don't talk to me. Welcome back to NFL Live. Here's the next UFC fight night. Tomorrow with our featherweight main event, number two ranked Brian Ortega takes on number three, Yair Rodriguez in an elimination bout to be the number one featherweight contender after Alexander Volkanovsky defended his belt against Max Holloway at UFC 276 July 2nd. The prelims start at 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific on ESPN and Plus, followed by the main card at 2 Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific on ABC. Some action there. How about some action figures? J.J. Watt, unhappy with how his turned out here. It's not necessarily Hall of Fame busting Canton. Uh, Hopefully they do him better when that time rolls around. He tweets, I can't be the only one that sees a sad Carson Wentz, right? Mike, do you agree? That's a pretty good call. That that is... uh... That's a heavy lift to see J.J. <laughs> I mean, and, and it's not even a mean face. It is a sad one, and it does kind of resemble a little bit of Carson Wentz. Back here on NFL Live. Contracts, one of the biggest storylines throughout this season. Let's get some updates on who, we'll, who we are still waiting on, starting yeah. with Arizona's Kyler Murray, Shefty. Well, Jordan, both sides would like to try to get a deal done before training camp begins in approximately two weeks. We've seen how outspoken Kyler Murray is agent have been this offseason about getting and wanting a new contract. Arizona would like to give it to him. The question is whether they could figure out something of fair value before camp opens here in the next couple of weeks. Arizona is dealing from a position of strength. They could wait this year, next year, and franchise him after that. Kyle Murray's a good quarterback, worth resigning. He is not a great quarterback. He hasn't improved in his three seasons. I don't see him in the Matt Stafford, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady class of the NFC. However, when you look at the alternatives, he's certainly better than that, and that's why he's worth keeping at the right price for Arizona. Yeah, that middle ground. Who else is there? Another quarterback question mark. Uh, This one uh, a little peculiar. Uh, Ravens' Lamar Jackson, Shefty. Yeah, listen, last year he made the decision to 
play without the new contract, and it really worked to his advantage. We saw some big quarterback deals come down, but now you've seen a guy like Deshaun Watson get a huge deal, Aaron Rodgers get a huge deal, Matthew Stafford, Kirk Cousins. There's precedent out there for him to get a monster deal north of $40 million a year. It would be hard-pressed to pass something up like this before the season begins. Guys, if you're Baltimore, you got to get this deal done. It destabilizes your franchise when your starting quarterback, who's young and a former MVP, doesn't have a long-term deal. Now, what complicates things, I know, Ab, you've been all over this, is he doesn't have an agent. As a former GM, that's a very difficult dynamic. I'm sure that's one of the things that's holding up getting a deal done. But if I'm Baltimore, I fly down to Florida where he is and do everything within reason to get a deal done before training camp. Uh, no question. And finally, one of the biggest question marks of the offseason, quarterback Jimmy G still awaiting a potential trade scenario after undergoing shoulder surgery this offseason. Niners legend Steve Young addressed how he thinks the Niners should address the QB situation in San Francisco. I think that there's still a chance that Jimmy's on the team. And I think that we need to just recognize that until Trey takes it, he doesn't have a chance yet. So you can't say it's not Trey's fault. He hasn't had a chance to take it yet. So until Trey has a chance to take it, they need to make sure that they've got this covered. Until Jimmy's gone, we got to know that Jimmy's personality is capable of coming back into that locker room and not causing too much grief. Uh, but I don't think that's going to happen. So I don't know, short of cutting Jimmy, if there's a if there's something to get done. So Shefty, where are we at now in San Francisco with Jimmy G? Well, I don't see them cutting Jimmy G. And Trey Lance has made some progress and impressed the players in the organization during OTAs, and I think he has taken a step towards securing that deal. And I think there's an expectation around the organization that they'll be able to trade Jimmy Garoppolo. The question is where? There's not an obvious suitor now that Carolina has acquired Baker Mayfield, but at some point, somebody will need a quarterback. And if and when that happens, Jimmy Garoppolo would be the top quarterback candidate available this summer. Do you agree with Steve Young, Mike T, and what you heard? Should they keep Jimmy G on that roster? Yeah, it's an absolute no-brainer. Absolutely. He's a really good quarterback. They win 70% of the games when he's a starting quarterback. Average 28 points per game. They've been to the championship game, the Super Bowl. Why would they move on from a quarterback that they've won so much with? I actually like Trey Lance a lot, but why not go into a 17-game season, guys, from a position of strength, bring Trey Lance along slowly. Early in the show, we talked about Kenny Pickett, Mitch Trubisky, why can't this be a very similar situation? They have a really good football team. I would keep Jimmy Garoppolo. The one thing there, Mike, is, again, I think they'd like to keep him, and he's worthy of keeping. He'd love to have a quarterback like Jimmy Garoppolo around. Also carries a salary of nearly $25 million this year. The team also would like to sign Debo Samuel to an extension and Nick Bosa to an extension. And it's hard to do all these things when you've got some money tied up in a quarterback who may not play a lot this season, despite the fact that he's got value to them and value to other teams in the league. So these are some of the issues the 49ers have to hash out here as they get ready to train, go to training camp. But I think there's a feeling around that team that at some point they're going to find a trade partner for Jimmy J. So then is this, if you're trying to connect the dots and you're an outsider looking in, is there reason, Mike T, to be concerned that maybe Trey Lance isn't where he needs to be at this point and you need to keep Jimmy G along? I would say it's a grade of incomplete. It's a very fair question, Jordan. We just don't know, but here's my concern from the 49er perspective. You have a win-now team. Adam just enumerated a couple other blue-chip players. So if you're giving a quarterback a grade incomplete and you have a guy that you've won a lot of games with and they were maybe one or two plays away from 
going back to the Super Bowl, being the Rams last year in the championship game. So I'm hard-pressed. It's so hard to get there. I'm hard-pressed to break that up and keep coaching Trey Lance. Kyle Shanahan knows how to develop quarterbacks, but don't rush it. Well, the one thing I don't see them doing heading into camp, Mike, or at the start of camp, is releasing Jimmy Garoppolo. If they were to release Jimmy Garoppolo, I think a team like Seattle would seize the opportunity to go sign a player like that at this point of the year, and that has to be in the back of the 49ers' mind, knowing that Seattle might take a run at Jimmy Garoppolo. That's even more incentive not to cut a quarterback and to hold on to somebody who's got some value. We saw the Vikings once lose Teddy Bridgewater before the season began and having to trade a lot of compensation to go get Sam Bradford. Jimmy Garoppolo right now is a commodity, and the 49ers want to hold on to him. Yeah, unfortunately, I have some experience with that. We lost Ryan Tannehill to a preseason season-ending injury. We wound up signing Jay Cutler out of the Fox broadcast booth. So, obviously, things can happen starting next month, right. guys. But, again, I, I think what you're saying makes sense. Don't release Jimmy Garoppolo if you're the 49ers. It'll be interesting to see how that one plays out. Mike T. Shefty, we got time for one more thing before we ride off into the sunset for the weekend. And, look, Shefty, you're our breaking news Buddha, and I know this is NFL Live, but it's a very pertinent sports conversation going on right now. Where is KD going to end up? I know you don't have anything tangible to talk about, but I know you're locked in and ready to talk about KD. Does he stay in Brooklyn? Does he go elsewhere? Talk to me. Jordan, that's the question everybody wants the answer to. And look, there's no obvious landing spot for him right now. Phoenix just matched the offer sheet for DeAndre Ayton. Miami doesn't really have the assets to give up right now for Kevin Durant. Toronto won't trade Scotty Barnes. So it's going to take a complicated deal to get KD out of Brooklyn. I would defer to Sean March, a.k.a. Mike Tannenbaum, the GM, to see if something can get done. Yeah, here's what I'm doing. If I'm the Jets or the Giants, I'm calling Sean Marks. And I'm a two-sport player. I'm getting KD just to play in the red zone. He'd be unstoppable go. in the NFL. So, boy, it's going to be really fun to watch this. But, Adam, that was a, your channel, channel, your inner woge there. Who wins one-on-one? Shefty, Mike T. Can we line that up here on NFL Live? We'll get the A-team to maybe. Oh, you're deferring already. Absolutely. I'm Jordan Cornette for Shefty and Mike T. Enjoy your weekend, everyone.